This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast. I think uh, this is episode number, is Chris, is this 76 or 77? It's something. 76, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, despite what uh, the screen says for those watching on YouTube, I am Craig Hanks. I'm your host. Uh, yes, if you're watching on YouTube, it says I'm Chris, but I promise there's only one of him. We only we only need and want one of him. Uh, but Chris, how's it going this morning? It's it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm super excited for this episode. Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, when I kind of started down this journey with the podcast, it was a big big step for me. I, I had planned on doing this. I'd thought about doing it for um, four or five years. And, you know, I, I was scared, nervous. And, you know, two years down the road, you know, now that we're into it, it's been an incredible experience. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this was to, was to kind of help people out. And, and it's neat to kind of finally start to have some conversations with people who have have followed the, the process and, and hopefully learned a little bit about it. And today, you know, having the opportunity to meet with Bubba, who has, who's partway through his own journey and, and talk a little bit about how the podcast has influenced them and how it, it's helped and helped them learn a few things. I, I'm just super excited about it. Yeah, so am I. Bubba, we're super glad to have you. I'm going to bring you in in just a moment, Bubba. But first, I want to remind everybody that they can go to hollandassetsllc.com and uh, check out the full show notes for this and every other episode, uh, including all of the documentation, the financials, everything that we talk about on this show is available there at hollandassetsllc.com. So go check that out. Also, make sure you find us on Facebook. Now you can subscribe on YouTube and watch all these videos that we're going to be putting out. Hopefully, this this, uh, this Zoom call that we're recording works out and I'm able to, to get that on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go find us all those places and make sure that you leave a review on iTunes or whatever they're calling it nowadays. Whatever you listen to your podcasts on, uh, go leave us a glowing five-star review because, uh, because I, I don't know, because we're awesome, right, Chris? Um, we'll just go with that. So let's let's talk now about our guest. So like you said, Chris, we're bringing on Bubba today. Bubba Blackwell, he, uh, boy, what a character you are, Bubba. You had a, <laughs> a long and illustrious career as a, uh, in motorcycle jumping. You were a stunt rider um, and you broke every record in the book, as far as I can tell. I mean, I believe me, I looked you up. You're... You, <laughs> This is no joke. We we've got uh, we've got the all timer on the podcast with us, but you can't jump forever, um, and you had to make a transition. So you transitioned into trucking, and you were driving for as an employee for a while, and then decided to pull the trigger and uh, start your own company. You sought out some uh, some guidance on how to do that. Ended up finding Chris uh, and this podcast. And uh, yeah, just tell us, uh, give us a little bit, Bubba, uh, if there's anything else that you want to fill in from your biography, that's great. But uh, also just tell us how you got, how you made that transition from jumping to trucking. Well, I mean, it just seems right, correct? I mean, I saw a picture one time of a, of a motorcycle, uh, a whole lot of motorcycles and a semi-truck jumping over it. Uh, <laughs> I'll send that to you later, but no, I... Um, Actually, uh, I had a great career. I had a great career, um, way further than I ever thought. I was a Harley-Davidson factory stunt rider. 
Uh, they sent me all over the world, actually, and um, it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. And uh, actually, about three years ago, uh, late in life, I wound up getting a divorce, completely life-changing, um, walk away from every single thing to start a whole new life. Uh, and I moved to Chattanooga. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was still doing shows. Things were happening, still making a little bit of money. And, but you know, the whole time I was doing motorcycle stunt shows, I was kind of thinking, well, what's my end game? What am I going to do here? Uh, I had planned on doing a motorcycle jumping experience actually. And that went great. Uh, one single time. And then, like I said, the divorce happened. So I had to give up all of my property. Uh, and then, uh, uh, I had I got hired by American Flat Track. I was a pit road reporter, and then I was a, a flagman, and was still stuck riding up until last year. I did my last jump October twenty fourth of last year in uh, Mississippi. It was a spectacular event. But the the whole thing was, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to start life over again. At the time, I was fifty two. And I'd always kept my CDL. I was a Coca-Cola route salesman back in the early 90s, and I had a CDL. And, of course, every time it came due, I always made sure that I, I kept that CDL current, kept the health card and all that. And, it, guys, i got to be honest with you, and I mean no disrespect to anybody because we live and learn. I did not see myself wanting to be a, a truck driver, just not really what I had in my mind. Not knocking truck drivers. My father was a great truck driver. He drove for CNH. He drove for all these big carriers in Texas, actually. Uh, and I just didn't, I just, it's not really where I wanted to go. But to my surprise, uh, it's about the only thing I had is a fallback plan. And then I, my first cousin, uh, Joey Malakas, drives for a company and he says, you know, you can drive for these guys like I do. It's not great pay, but you, you're home on the weekends, you're home sporadically through the week, and, uh, you know, who knows what will happen. And again, like I said, man, reluctantly, I took the job, and I, I kind of did it for about about six months with my lip pooched out. I mean, I'm just driving around. I'm thinking, golly, I could do better. I could do better. And then just like God spoke to me one night, I woke up the next day with a whole different attitude. I said, wait a minute. You're old. You're an old motorcycle stunt rider. There's not going to be this revision of your career. That, and, and not that that's what I was wanting, but with COVID and all this stuff going on, it's going to be a long time. So I said, wait a minute, look around. There's trucks everywhere. There are trucks making America go. Why don't you jump on board, change your attitude, quit being a jerk. And just, just I mean, I swear, guys, just exactly like I got thumped upside of the head. So, so, uh, so what you're saying is you might as well have been driving a truck on the road to Damascus. <laughs> everything <laughs> changed, right? That's, that's a good explanation for it. But uh, I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn because uh, my name is Bubba. I'm originally from Alabama. Now I live in Saudi Daisy. So the whole Bubba thing works great. You don't get a lot of expectation. If I even say I'm going to deliver something. So with, with all of that being said, I started studying. I started listening. I'm like, wait a minute now. Trucks cost brand new. They cost $150,000, $250,000. Somebody's churning some money. Something's going on here. And, you know, I, I said, 
I'm going to learn this business. I'm going to do it. This is great. The windshield time, the windshield therapy, as I like to call it, this is the greatest job in the world. You get loaded, you ride down the road, you get to see this absolutely incredible country that we live in, which I always like to go to that because I've been all over the world. And if you are one of those, I don't know why you'd be listening to a trucking podcast, but if you're one of those people that like to stay remotely around where you live, you have no clue. We live in absolutely the best country in the world. And you get to drive all around and see it all if you want to. So with that being said, I said, you know, I'm going to find out. I did a lot of YouTube searches. I did a lot of uh, phone calls to people. I, uh, I have a very good friend of mine that toured with me forever. He now works for the man that owns J.R. Schnabel, which has got over a thousand trucks. Uh, I know the guy. And as a matter of fact, I jumped over a whole bunch of the, uh, my, uh, what is it, Millis trucks from Black River Falls, Wisconsin. They got thousands of trucks. I see them everywhere. So I have all of these contacts and I started thinking, well, I'm going to exercise those. But in the meantime, I'm going to educate myself while I ride down the road. Listening to a lot of YouTube where guys are just talking. Some of the truths are out there, but they're just talking and talking. And it's like they're, they're not really giving you what you really need to know. And all of a sudden I saw something on YouTube and it was uh, Chris standing in front of his green truck, his first one. And it talks about, from start to finish, teaching you how to be a, a owner operator. And I said, all right, let me give this a try. Guys, Chris, you're, you're telling the truth, the nuts and bolts, warts and all. And that's what I needed. I don't need fluff. And neither does anybody else when they're trying to start an entire career. I had basically one shot. I knew that I was going to reinvest into something that had to work. I'm 54 years old now. I didn't need all this nonsense. I didn't need all the fluff stuff. They can keep coming back and listening to whatever it is they're trying to, to do when they monetize their YouTube channels so they can make money. I wasn't interested in that. Good on you. But I need to know how to make this work. So I sat down. And I actually made a six-month plan. I said, by the end of February, 1st of March, I'm going to be on my own. And I listened to absolutely every single episode you guys put out there. And the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm making notes, I'm writing stuff down. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, why are you guys doing this? I mean, you're not asking for donations and there's not a lot of commercials. And, and you know, I know Chris has got some other enterprises that may benefit from it. But, but like, you're really teaching people that are smart enough to listen. The listening being the big point, uh, if they listen, you can go out and make a great life for you and your family. That is definitely the goal. That's, uh, I mean, that's when Chris and I met for the first time and, you know, he talked about what he wanted to do. That's, uh, it sounds like um, this is exactly what you were going for, Chris. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, that that's working out. Um, now, Bubba, <laughs> speaking of which, I actually, if you go back, if somebody goes back to the first 10, 15, 20 episodes that we did, that's going to be, that's like the crash course in the absolute basics of getting the, the business started. Right. Um, you know, somebody's presumably been out on the road for a little while, probably driving for a company or whatever. But those like first few episodes have a lot of that nitty gritty, uh, actionable information that you're talking about. And I wanted to dig into a little bit of that with you. Now that we've got a little bit of your story about 
how you got into trucking in the first place, uh, how you decided to start the company and all that. So I wanted to, to back up and go back to the very beginning with you and ask you some of those nuts and bolts questions uh, about when you started the business and how you started the business. So one of the first things that we talked about, Chris, I want to say it was episode two. We talked about business entities, you know, whether you want to form a sole proprietorship or a partnership or an LLC or whatever. Uh, so Bubba, when you started your company, uh, what did you decide to do as far as the business entity and why? Well, first of all, I've, I've already had an LLC before and I knew the, the general knowledge of that, but you guys talk about the uh, tax benefits of an S Corp over some of the other opportunities that are out there. Um, and that's just what I did. And I filed for Bubba Blackwell Trucking and uh, I had a local provider in Chattanooga that actually did all of my licensing and everything for me because I didn't really have the time to go back and forth with all of my notes and do it on my own because I was still working at Milan. Um, but you guys went through all of that. And, and mostly what I did from the information that Chris gave was I decided how I was going to, how I was going to get started. If I had a major budget, which it was looking like I had the opportunity to sell all of my motorcycles for a substantial amount of money. And I was going to go all in, buy a truck, buy a trailer, uh, file for my own uh, authority, and go through that process, which is, you guys described, that can be a little bit time-consuming because when you have a brand-new authority, not everybody's willing to work with you, so you better be ready to tough it out. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's the way I want to go. And the more I listened and the more I evaluated, which, again, I want to say, make a six-month plan because chances are you're going to change your mind 100 times like I did. So the more I thought about it, and then I was like, well, you know, I really don't really want to sell all of my motorcycles. I, you know, I had a lot of fun on these things. And I actually wound up changing my mind. I decided to sell just two motorcycles. And, and, and I'm going to tell you the bare nuts because that's what you guys do. I sold two motorcycles. I got 25 grand for it. And I said, here I am, 54 years old, $25,000 investment. I am going to completely start my life over again. And recently divorced, my credit score took a little bit of a hit. So the semi-truck that I was wanting to get, which was a T680, um, the financing was going to be extremely high interest. And I kept asking a lady, well, wait a minute now, uh, what is the interest rate? And she says, well, the important thing is, is we got you at the payment you want to be at. I said, no, no, that's not the important. That's, that wasn't my question. <laughs> that is exactly right. So uh, thankfully, I've gotten hired on to a, an older gentleman that could walk into the Kenworth place and buy all the inventory if he wanted to. He's a great man, but he gets up and goes to work every morning about four o'clock. He still runs his own truck. There's a small group of us of like five or six. And uh, he told me, he says, Bubba, don't worry about it. He said, the most expensive truck I've ever bought since I've been doing this was $15,000. And I thought for a minute, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to live in the truck. And my ego's fixed because I used to put on this really cool fancy outfit and jump over a bunch of crap. So that portion of my ego machismo is taken care of. <laughs> this is going to be a work vehicle. I'm going to make a living with it. And as soon as I can park it and get out and spend time with my family, that was the bigger objective. So I said, okay, 15,000 is my number. So that's going to give me about 10 grand to get the rest of my enterprise going. 
And man, I just, I prayed about it. I said, the first thing I'm going to do was I'm going to find a truck in the price range that I want, but I'm going to evaluate what is important to me. Me, a big sleeper. I wore a big sleeper because there's, there's personal things that you do on the road. Maybe you don't want to share. And you want enough room in your sleeper to take care of those things. So uh, I, I'm, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to know you. No. you what don't you do in the privacy of your own sleeper. That's exactly right. So <laughs> I found this old T2000 and it looked terrible. And I was a big Kenworth fan right off the bat because my dad drove Kenworth and he really liked them. And I remember being a little, little kid and thought it was the greatest thing on the planet. And my father since passed on, but I saw this Kenworth and it spoke to me. It was dirty. The guy that took the photograph to put it on Facebook Marketplace didn't even bother cleaning it up. And uh, it looked tired. But plain and simple, it was all there. You know, the, the, the molding, nothing had been jabbered with it. No, nothing had been stolen. And it looked as though the guy had pride of ownership in the truck. And even though it was a used truck dealer, um, that's the one that really caught my eye, but I kept looking, kept looking at a bunch of different things. Some things caught my eye. Some things just looked wore out. But when the time came and I'm like, I'm going to go buy a truck this weekend, I, I was putting Mr. Harrison off and I said, I'm going this weekend. And there was two trucks that I was going to drive down from Chattanooga to look at. And, uh, uh, and it was on Jocelyn's birthday, my fiance. So I'm already pushing my limit. We drove all the way down to Macon to look at the red uh, Kenworth, and then we were going to drive over to Dothan to look at a blue Peterbilt. Well, the Peterbilt, they was asking 20000 and the Kenworth, they was asking seventeen five. And again, my number's 15000 We had already discussed this. So I drove down there. The guy met me on a Saturday. He doesn't normally work. I looked at the truck. First thing I saw whenever I came up to the truck is it's got these little praying hands on a uh, window, and I thought, wow, you know, and it's like my dad tapped me on the shoulder and said, that's a good looking truck, boy. So <laughs> I drove it. It all worked. And I told him, I said, man, I promised myself I'd go look at that other truck. But I really like that truck. And he said, okay, man, well, thank you. And so we left. And Jossie looked over at me and she goes, uh, do you really like that truck? I said, I really do. She said, now, how far is it to Dothan? I said, well, it's a three-hour drive from here. She said, how much are they asking? I said, 20 grand. She said, do you really think they're going to go from 20 to 15? That's a $5,000 gap. I said, well, I, I don't know. I, maybe not. But she looked at me and she goes, honey, I think you found your truck. So I called him on the phone. I said, hey, would you take 15000 for it? He said, cash? I said, yes, sir. He said, let's go. So I met him there, got my truck, drove it back. It had been sitting so long, you know, the old tires were, blah, 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 blah. you know, didn't have a trailer. All the way to Chattanooga, this thing's bouncing around like crazy. But man, I was in my own paid for truck and uh do you guys want to know the longest two weeks of your life the longest two weeks of your life is when you got a brand new semi or brand new to you semi truck backed into your house and you promise to go work a two-week notice out of your uh current <laughs> arrangement that's a long two weeks and in the meantime i was going to take one week after i left the trucking Milan is the name of the trucking company i was with and uh, I was going to have a week off before I started with Mr. Harrison. That whole week it rained and I couldn't get out there and buff my truck. I had one single day and uh, got the truck, the old red paint 
popped back out. It looked like brand new again. I polished the wheels, and, and I heard Craig say something very early in the episodes about having pride of ownership. You know, we can all go jump in a truck for some trucking company, and chances are you're going to get a fairly new truck, but it's not your truck. But to have your own truck, and then get out there and polish it, clean it, make it look as good as you can, and knowing that that's your machine, it's it's everything about that is yours, it's your responsibility, but it's also your face. And uh, guys, the, the best thing happened was the owner of the little enterprise gave me the phone number to this truck that I have. My truck has a million six hundred thousand miles on it. Okay. That's a lot. But he got me in touch with the guy that bought the truck new. We've become really good friends. He's told me every single thing he's done to the truck. Uh, the engine, although original, he's rolled a set of bearings in it, put a new uh, oil pump in it. But everything else has been replaced. All new air conditioning, front end, the whole nine yards. And uh, simple thing is, I jump over in the right-hand lane, and I don't go no more than 1,500 RPM, and I collect $100 bills. You know, this this is interesting, Bubba, because you um, you, you talked about pride of ownership, right? Yep, and yep. It's this thing that makes you want to take care of the truck. And Chris, this is a theme that you hit not only early on in the podcast, but throughout the podcast. Uh, and that is uh, an owner's mindset, uh, an ownership mindset, right, Chris? Uh, give me give me your 30 second spiel on on changing your mindset. And then I want to ask Bubba about that. It, it really boils down to as a, as a driver, a lot of the times you're thinking only about, you know, hey, I, all I got to do is get this load from point A to point B. Um, when you really change that into that owner mind, mind, mindset, that change evolves into, okay, I need to get that load from point A to point B, but I also need to do it as profitably as possible. Um, I, I, I need to grow my business, think about my business. How do I make things better? How am I constantly improving? And it sounds like, you know, with Bubba talking early on, he, when he had that epiphany early on and changed his attitude, that was probably the kickstart that really got that, you know, change in mindset from being a, you know, driver to how, how can I essentially make this business as best that I can so that it provides me the kind of life that I really want to live? Yeah. So Bubba, how does that, how does that jive with your transition into ownership? Did you feel that change happen naturally in your mindset or did you have to do something consciously to make that happen for yourself? No, I mean, doing the stunt riding career forever, of course, I had to make a living as well. The whole time I'm driving all my equipment all over the country. Uh, that was kind of something I kind of knew, but I knew that it's exactly what I wanted to uh, um Okay, there. sorry, phone call came in. I knew that what, what I was wanting to do was I wanted to make a lot of money, but now the key is how do I, how do I keep from spending? You know, drive down the road at 1,500 RPM as opposed to running 80. Uh, find your better routes to, to get where you're going. Um, sometimes a shorter route is going to give you a lot of stop and go traffic, and I, that was out of the question. But uh, now, uh, again, Every single thing, and I, when it happens, it clicks. But a lot of the things that Chris was talking about in all these episodes, they actually work. And, and, and I can't recall them right now without a certain situation, but 
you you pay more attention to your equipment. You don't snatch it around. You don't get into a hurry. Uh, like you said, you, you choose better routes on where you're going. Uh, you watch fuel prices. That's a big thing. And, uh, you know, uh, you just take care of your equipment a lot better. Yeah. Pride of ownership is, is the key. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's coming directly out of your pocket. Yeah, and that has so many benefits, that pride of ownership and, and taking care of your equipment. You know, it, it makes it last longer. It, it saves you money. Um, and it and it helps you with compliance stuff, too. You, you talk about you going and buffing out your truck and making it look good. Well, you know what? If you would have dro- driven through a port with the truck looking like it was before, you're 10 times more likely to get pulled in because they're going to say, hey, there's somebody who doesn't take care of their equipment. I'm probably going to find some some issues with it. And, and they're going to give you an inspection. Whereas you come in with a truck looking nice and shiny and pretty. And even though it's older, they can, they'll see that and they'll say, hey, this looks good. I'm not going to pull the guy in. DOT officers profile. And they, they profile based on the condition of what they can see. And if they can see issues or they can see that the truck's not well taken care of, it's not clean, um, they're, they're going to say, okay, if, if they can't take care of the cosmetic outside, they're probably not taking care of the the mechanical safety stuff. And so that, yeah. that there's just so many benefits to that. Yeah. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more on that very subject. You know, I actually took a little bit of time whenever I first came on with this company. And what I do is I actually haul for bull moose, which is a tubing manufacturer uh, uh, based out of Trenton, Georgia. When I first started, I wanted to kind of run local because I didn't know anything at all about the truck. Then I would go from Decatur, Alabama, which is new We get coiled of steel and which is the scariest thing in the world. I mean, they, 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 they put me to the test right out of the gate, but I told them, I said, guys, I want to spend a little extra time on the truck because the last thing I want to do, I was getting ahead of myself. I didn't actually have my hard plate. Uh, I'd already paid the license and everything, but with COVID and everybody working from home, uh, my, my actual license plate hadn't made it in the mail yet, but I had the card that I could stick on the window. And I'm like, you know that, I've got it, I'm legal, but that's still kind of sketchy because a guy can see the tag and why's he got this taped up there? But what I did was I wanted to make sure the rest of the truck was polished, clean, pride of ownership. And uh, I didn't want to give them any reasons to pull me over and check me because like I said, I was just starting out. Um, but now I've got all of my stuff in a folder. Uh, it's actually a uh, notebook, a hardback notebook and they're in sleeves so that if I was to ever get pulled over and inspected, it's all laid out right there. And, and I got that from you. And um, uh, there's there's a few other things, but they're human. They're human. If they see something that looks sketchy and something wrong with your truck, they're going to pull you over. But if it looks like an older truck that a guy really takes care of, they're going to let him go. Uh, actually, a member of our group, actually had an insurance scam pulled on him going through Atlanta. He had a messed up front fender on his truck where a tire on his front right of his truck where a front tire had come apart and tore up the fender and he hadn't yet gotten it fixed and some unsavory types took a photograph of it going down the interstate and then a little bit later turned it into the insurance company said that they had brought, that this guy had slot sided them kept going, wouldn't stop. They tried to do everything they could. And they wound up getting $50,000 out of our insurance, of, of our group insurance. So our premiums went up. I mean, our premiums went up quite a bit because of that. Um, so 
I mean, if that guy would have had a nicer looking truck that looked like he took care of it, that photograph those guys would have taken maybe wouldn't have helped their case like it did. Yeah, but because it was a messed up truck, you know, that's there's all kind of scammers out there. Yeah, always good, always good to keep keep your equipment looking good. Yeah. Well, let's uh, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you've told us, Bubba, about how you got into the industry, how you uh, how you got your truck, and what you paid for it. Chris, when you started out, when you started hauling assets, you did it with a thirty thousand dollar budget. Bubba, you were able to do it with twenty five. Um, and uh, so that's, that's really good information for people out there. It's, you know, there's not uh, a, not a one size fits all budget for uh, starting your company. Um, and you were able to do it a little differently and you changed your mindset. You talked a little bit about changing that mindset into the ownership mindset, but now I want to get into what you're doing now that uh, you've been on the road for a couple of months and, uh, and, you know, things are, things are rolling pretty well, I think. How are you keeping track of the money side of things? Tell me about your accounting system. Um, what, uh, you know, any, any tips and tricks that you've picked up, whether from us or from yourself, and, uh, and some specifics about, you know, what software you use, what system you use, uh, so that other people can hear about that. Well, fortunately for me, my uh, fiance is extremely organized. She's actually a quality assurance specialist in the nuclear field. Thank wow. you. Thank That'll you, Jesus, do. for that one. Uh, but she does help me with everything. But what I do going down the road is uh, I, I have a folder. And every time I stop for fuel, I write down exactly how much I got. Um, I write down the mileage in between each one. I always reset my uh, uh, trip meter. And uh, I keep everything in a folder. Everything I spend on the road, I keep in a folder. Every day on Friday afternoon, I bring that folder into the house and I recap everything. Um uh, I also check my mileage to make sure that I'm doing good there. Um, but it's, it's all just hand notes that I use just to recap everything. Uh, and then to stay on top of my profit and loss, I just write it all down. Unfortunately, I don't carry um, the like a Intuit or whatever for my phone. I haven't downloaded that, which I really need to do that. That's a great idea. So I keep, a, you know, I buy all of my food what, before I go anywhere. You so know, the, everything with me. The interesting thing about that, Bubba, is you know, getting into it on your phone or you know, whatever software you want to use. That's uh, I'm sure that'll be helpful as far as keeping things neat and all that. But having software doesn't instill habits. And what you're talking about, even though it's a it's a notebook, you know, you're writing stuff down on paper. The point right. is you're you're in the habit of keeping track of every fuel stop of every expenditure right so that you can uh, then later if you need to digitize that you can go in and do that and then if you do get the app on your phone and you start doing that doing all these things there instead of in the notebook the habits are there uh, that's exactly right that's that's the valuable piece right there right and the well, system, the, the software is really a convenience feature. I mean, you can do everything that Intuit or QuickBooks or Peachtree or any of those software programs use. You can do it all by hand. The, the, <laughs> the, it's just a little harder to do it that way. The important thing is that you're doing that and you're keeping track of that. And you, you know how much money is coming in, how much is going out. And you have a good picture of what your net income is. Um, you know, there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I mean, we, we saw that with how I kind of got my trekking company started, how you got yours started. We've, we've done it a little bit differently, 
but really the mechanics, the, the meat and potatoes of it has been in a, to a, a great extent the same. And it's the same thing with the accounting. You know, I, I'd, I'd recommend it's usually easier to do with Intuit or some kind of accounting software. But the, the important thing, like Craig's saying, is you've got the habit, you're doing it. Um, you know, an accounting system would just make it a little bit easier. And I'd still recommend you do that, but it's not critical. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, no. sorry, you go ahead, Bubba. Well, the information is the most important part, because if you don't know what it costs you to go down the road, you don't know if you're going forward or backing up. Uh, one of the greatest gifts in my life was the entire career that I had. I was managed by a fellow by the name C.K. Spurlock. He was the exclusive booking agent for Kitty Rogers all through his career. And, but he was a race fanatic. He owned the Gambler Sprint Car Company. And he made so much money in this race car company because he knew exactly, and he told me this, if you don't know exactly how much your parts cost to manufacture, when you sell them, you have no idea where your profit margin is. So you've always got to absolutely dissect everything you do when it comes to your income and your outgoes. And so with that little bit of installation I got from him, I was you know, reiterated whenever I met uh, the podcast that you guys have been doing. Starting scratch, starting from ground zero, I had to put all of my plan together uh, how I was going to do it. And, and you know, you guys, uh, you, you guys give some really good information that I wouldn't have the confidence to go out there and do. And it's great to be able to go back to all the other episodes that you guys already recorded and get a little refresher course on occasion. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of knowledge, but it's more confidence than anything. I knew that I was going to dive off into it. I just need to make sure I, I, I eliminated all the bad moves before I made them. I did not want to go out there and go in debt for a big truck. And then start my own authority. I didn't know that until I talked to you guys or listened to you guys. Didn't know much about the insurance. Didn't know much about any of that stuff. Um, I'm just really glad that I found you. Well, we appreciate that, Bubba. Um, the one thing I wanted to get into is uh, the specifics of how in the, these first few months for you, how you've been finding loads. And from what you said, it sounds like there's a company that you've been working with doing a lot of, uh, you know, running steel for them. Uh, is that your primary, uh, primary load right now? Are you doing other things? How are you picking up loads on a regular basis? Well, thanks for reminding me. I've had a lot of head injuries, so it kind of gets me a little sidetracked every now and then. But <laughs> wait, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. motorcycles, you got head injuries? Uh, I don't that's believe weird, it. huh? But, uh, <laughs> Now, that's actually what I was uh, excited about coming on here for, because to listen to your podcast, you would think that it was to go out on your own and completely do your own thing. I would like to encourage guys that are right now behind the wheel driving for somebody who might, you know, look, I, don't, I don't know that it, I can do that, but I'd really like to go out on my own. I would like to suggest to those guys, use your charisma, go introduce yourself to people. Um, small groups like what I'm in, guys, I'm really happy really happy and i don't have to do the dispatching i don't have to do all the numbers keeping up with with the uh, uh with all the uh things that the legal system makes you do i have a dispatcher like i said we're we're a small group of about five or six owner operators we've got our own dispatcher and we are running exclusively bull moose tubing what that means is that manufacturer and they're they're all over the place so 
get out and introduce yourself, meet people. And uh, something I read early in my career when I first started motorcycle jumping is a book by the name of uh, Life is a Contact Sport by Ken Cragen. And it's not about fighting or nothing like that. It's about making the contacts that you know, because chances are you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who can get you an opportunity or let you know about some information uh, to, to better yourself. So with that being said, I was introduced to a guy that was in my neighborhood where I'm living now. And his name is JP, uh, James Pilgrim. And he told me what he was doing. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. But my ambitions are a little different than that. But I kept talking to him and I kept evaluating what I was going to do. And the more I evaluated the kind of lifestyle I wanted, man, JP's deal was pretty darn good. We wound up sliding into a situation to where uh, we're hauling exclusively for bull moose and they pay 306 a mile. Uh, that's pretty dead gum good. <laughs> but, the, but the great thing about it is you're out around six or 700 miles from home with an empty flatbed. Empty flatbeds should never be going down the road empty. They should always have something on their back. So as we're, we're hauling around exclusively taking care of our main customer, I've been getting back calls on every single one of my trips. And let me tell you, man, that makes a huge difference. And I don't necessarily, because a lot of people know me, I don't necessarily want them to know what kind of money I'm making, but I paid my truck off in a month. Nice. There you go. So what, what kind of back calls you know, are you getting then? Are, are these from Bull Moose as well? No, I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm right now, I'm in, uh, well, I don't really know where I'm at. I'm on Interstate 95, just north of North Carolina, at a pilot and a love station. And I'm on my way to get my backhaul going to Chattanooga, and it's big steel plate for Boyd Brothers out of a new core uh, somewhere in Virginia, or I'm sorry, North Carolina. And, and, and how'd you get that? How, how did you find that load? Was it a load board? Is this uh, running through well, your, uh, what's that? No, I have a dispatcher, okay. and he dispatches us out, but he gets other things. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the young guy in, in the group. Isn't that weird? But anyways, uh, the other guys, they don't necessarily want the backhauls. You know, they're making really good money by going out for their 306 a mile and coming back empty, saving fuel maybe. But uh, I'm not cut out that way, man. When there's an opportunity out there, I don't want to come home empty. And so what this is, is uh, uh, his name is uh, Johnny Harrison, uh, Mr. Harrison's nephew. And he goes on a load board, finds what's available coming back to, uh, to Chattanooga. So I'm on my way over there. And it's, uh, I came over here for 1996. Okay. And then I'm going back for uh, 1600. Very nice. One single tank of fuel. Well, the, what, what you just said really hit me. You said something like, I'm not built for that. If there's an opportunity, I'm going to go out and, and get it. And that is like, like, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. That's a great encapsulation of your own, a part of your ownership mindset, right? There's the responsibility for taking care of things, making sure your numbers are tip top and, you know, taking care of your truck. But, but it, a lot of it comes down to what he just said, which is if you see an opportunity, go for it, Right. That, that right there is the owner's mindset. That's a perfect example of it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to settle for, 
you know, average or mediocre. I want better than that. And I'm going to do everything that I can to improve that and make it better. So that, that's, that's awesome. That's, and, you know, that's you know and those, those, the other guys that you're talking about, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're making money, they're surviving, they're doing just fine. But depending on what your ambition is, if you want to grow your own company, if you want to get more trucks, if you want to, you know, if you have that growth mindset, that's got to be a part of it. And that brings me to another question that I've got, which is, what are your goals as you're looking forward to your trucking company, you know, in six months, in 12 months, in five years, what's it going to look like? Well, I, I absolutely love what I'm doing. I'm home several nights a week. And uh, I, I basically run two loads a week. I usually get up on Monday, go get loaded, haul to where I'm going, and I get a backhaul. Then I get up, same thing, Wednesday, uh, same thing. And I'm back Friday, starting my weekend. And that's not bad. And, and the numbers are just spectacular. I'm so blessed and thankful. Uh, and, and, and I say that because, guys, it's out here. It's out here. Quit complaining. That's what Facebook is for. You know, <laughs> complain on, but uh, there's there's money to be made out here. The fuel prices are going up. Yes, they are. But shut up. It's going up for everybody. All that's going to turn. It's going to uh, the cost of goods is going to go up. So what? Let's don't even get into that. The main thing is you're you're able to make a good living out here. If you are ambitious and you're willing to take your ego and sit your ego on the shelf. Get out there and turn the wheels on these things. You can make a that gum good living. What I see myself doing in the future is I'm going to cultivate people. I want people who have ambition or, or at least they're set in their ways and they're comfortable who still like to get out and drive a truck. And uh, I'm going to buy them a truck. I'm going to put them to work. That's my goal. I want a few more trucks. I don't want a lot because life is pretty darn good. My ego is very, very secure and uh, uh, settled. And, and, but the main thing is quality of life. When I started doing this, I wanted a truck big enough so I could have a sleeper to be in my sleeper and be comfortable, you know, stand up, turn around if I wanted to not go in the truck stop. If I don't want to, um, but, uh, you know, something that looked pretty good. Didn't have to be new, just kind of like the way it looks, but I, uh, I would do what you guys are doing now. Chris is now buying new trucks. I would like to do what he's doing eventually, yeah. but I'm not in a hurry. I do have a five-year plan, but I don't, the talent field, I haven't really seen yet. So if you want to reach out to Bubba, that's uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, uh, HD Jumper, like Harley Davidson. Um, I do that little plug there. I'll hit the binger. But, um, <laughs> no, that's but, perfect. That, I, I uh, sorry, go ahead, Bubba. I, I just don't want to overload the wagon to where it's not fun. Guys, I am I am really having fun. I really enjoy getting up, getting into my truck and getting hooked up and going to deliver the loads and then seeing the benefits of the uh, of the efforts almost immediately. Uh, what we do is I pay 15% um, to the company I'm, I'm leased on to. Like I said, it's a it's, a handful of guys. We're very tight. We all help each other. What direction to go in, and um, I'm turning, burning, and learning the whole way of um, I'm going. You know, so, Chris. I think we just found the new tagline for the show: <laughs> turning, burning, and learning. Right? No, I. 
Chris, I was going to ask you, as Bubba's talking about, you know, how, how great it feels to get in the truck and, uh, you know, go down, go down the road, make some money. Chris, do you miss it yet? You haven't been driving for a few months. Do you, do you miss it? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit like Bubba, you know, it, it, I do. I, I miss it sometimes, but it's also not the thing probably long-term that I've always wanted to do. I, I love getting in the truck. I love driving, you know, the pride of ownership. I mean, those, those owning a truck is a, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, it takes a lot of effort and time to get to that point. It takes a lot of money that you've invested in it. And there's, there's nothing cooler than driving down the road with, you know, 40,000 or 40,000 pounds worth of something in the back, knowing I've been trusted to haul this, I'm being paid well to haul this in my equipment and I'm going to get a benefit for it. It's just, it's one of the, it's one of the coolest things. It, it really is. So Bubba, I want to uh, ask you just a couple more questions and we're going to wrap up here in just a moment. Um, but I wanted to ask you about what your greatest challenge has been as you've started the company. You've talked a lot about how blessed you've been, all these successes, um, and that's been amazing to hear. But I do think it's valuable also to peel back the curtain a little bit and see what are the challenges associated with this because it's not all rainbows and sunshine all the time. What have you and your company struggled with so far? Well, the the number one thing I got to tell you is fear. Fear. That, that coming from a guy who jumped Harley Davidson motorcycles, you probably doesn't expect that kind of a response, but it was, it was literally fear. I was very comfortable driving a fairly new Mack truck, bumping the dock with my dry van, no touch freight. Uh, and I went from that to a flatbed and chaining down loads and not really knowing what entails there. Did I buy the right stuff? And, um, Am I going the right direction? What's it going to feel like behind the truck? And, and I, you know, pulling them coals, and, and that was a great paying freight. I went a hundred, I think I went like 130 miles and paid 650 bucks a trip. You do two of those in a day, you're saving fuel, you're making a lot of cash. But they say coals are the, the most dangerous thing in the world to uh, haul. You always got to look way ahead or you can get yourself in trouble. Uh, going into the unknowns, going into areas that you don't know where the toll roads are. Toll roads can cost you a lot of money. Uh, where, what to expect with the uh, DOT and all the things that they could get you for. There's just so much out there that you have to experience. They can give you all the information in the world, but you got to dive off the diving board and find out whether you can swim or not eventually. And every day that goes by, I get a little bit more confident, a little bit more confident. It allows me to think about uh, other ways to move my business and my enterprise forward. Yeah. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Bubba, which is, you know, that fear, it can be crippling. Um, but the only way to get over it is to get through it. Right. Um, when, when we're talking about a fear of the unknown, you know, is this going to work? Uh, what, what do I not know about? you know, about my truck, about the DOT, about whatever. The only way out is through to get the experience and, uh, and to try all those things for yourself so that you know, right? Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that? You know, it reminds me of a, of a quote from, uh, um, I think it was um, Mark Twain. He said, the key to getting, uh, getting ahead is to get started. And the key to getting started, I'm paraphrasing this part, is just, you know, essentially taking it one step at a time and, and, and just actually going out and doing it. And, 
you know, that, that is a, the biggest challenge, I think, for most people that want to make that leap from being a, an employee to an entrepreneur is, is just making that leap. Because I, I, people talk to me all the time. You know, I, I've been a successful entrepreneur for, for years and years now. And, you know, most of my friends aren't entrepreneurs. And, you know, friends and acquaintances are talking to me about that all the time. And there's just so many people out there that that's what they want to do, but just never make that step because they're afraid. You know, they're, they're comfortable. You know, we've talked about recently you know, that that's kind of the middle set, the middle class mindset is I just want to be comfortable and safe. And, and that's what they want. And so they, they, they're, they're too afraid to make that leap. And it's cool that, you know, Bubba, you've allowed us to be kind of part of you making that leap from, you know, being that comfortable lifestyle into, um, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, owning your own business, owning your own trucking company, owning your own truck. And, you know, you're starting to see some of the successes of that. And I think it, it sounds to me like in, in this journey, your eyes have been open to more possibilities, you know, even from two or three months ago when you first got, it, got started to, to now, you're, you're seeing the potential. Well, that's exactly right. And to kind of redneck it down a little bit, my daddy used to say it's kind of like eating an elephant, just one bite at a time. So, and, and, you know, you reminded me of something. I have a friend of mine who's an extremely talented singer and guitar player, and he he's fearful. He won't do anything, and he toured with me for a while. I did a big jump up in uh, Kalispell, Montana. I actually ski ramped down into the racetrack. And it was a big hundred foot jump uh, on a Harley. I got to you know qualify that, but uh, one of the passes, I went down the real steep uh, ski ramp, and when I got to the bottom, I missed the gear on one of my speed runs. And after the jump was over with, it was successful and everything went great. The one thing he keyed in on when the night was almost done and we're loading up, he goes, "I bet it embarrassed you when you hit the." Uh, bottom of that ramp and you know mr gear i said i was out in the arena all those people came to see me no that didn't bother me at all think about it just because of one little are you really so scared of one tiny little slip up that doesn't matter and yet not for feeling any goals at all so based on what you just said and things i've learned from you guys i still creep out into the unknown on occasion but isn't that kind of exciting? Don't you like getting a little bit scared to let you know you're still alive? Uh, I don't understand people with talent and knowledge who don't take a chance. Man, this is a one single lap journey we're on. You're not going to get lap two. When you die, it's over with. We're going to go on somewhere else. So I, I, I don't understand how anybody can have a little inkling of ambition and at least not be willing to go out there and fall flat on your face reaching for the stars. I just don't understand it, but knowledge is the key. And that's what you have given everybody that wants to be in the trucking enterprise or even thought about it. And y'all gave me the confidence of knowing that, well, I might make some mistakes here and there, but I can always go back to one of your episodes and learn a little bit or learn as I go. Yeah, We all make mistakes. And I, and I think that's a really good life lesson for us is, is we can't be afraid. Like you said, you got to check your ego at the door and just realize we're going to make mistakes. There's nothing wrong sure. with that. We all make mistakes, and and who cares? We, we learn from those mistakes, and and you can't be afraid to to have a, a a little failure in your life and to make mistakes. I mean, failure is just an opportunity to learn from something and, and get better, and and not repeat that same mistake. There's nothing wrong with failing and making 
and, and ultimately you're you're just uh you're paving the road to success and uh bubba it sounds like you you're having some success you're making some money and and i wanted to my parting question for you was uh once you got the company started you're out on the road uh you you're you had your first profitable month how big was the pickup truck that you went out and bought that month how big was it? <laughs> I have not spent a down. All I've been doing is paying stuff off because uh, uh, it's 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 really good, guys. Get out there and get on your own. Get out of that truck you're driving. Do it yourself. Don't be stupid. But but no. Uh, luckily, I had some really cool stuff already. But uh, that's the key. I have not spent anything. I've not done any frivolous spending. I've paid off a bunch of stuff, and. Uh, to be honest with you, there's really nothing on the menu. Uh, we're going to go down to Road Atlanta for the weekend for motorcycle racing there, and then while we're there, we're going to park. I've got a I've got a pretty neat little hauler. We're going to leave it there, and then we're going to go to Atlanta Motor Speedway and watch the motorcycle races on Saturday. Come back to Atlanta uh, Road Atlanta and watch the road racing on Sunday. And then I got to get home so I can go get loaded Monday morning. Well, this this man knows how to party. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting from this conversation. Uh, well, Bubba, Bubba Black. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending a few minutes with us today to chat. Appreciate you coming on. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for all of the information you gave me. The confidence, ladies and gentlemen out there on the road, uh, rewind some of these episodes. It will help you. It will blow your mind at the information you will learn. But what are you going to do with the information? That's the key. You got to get off your butt. Stop making everybody else money. Make it for yourself and your family. Um, determine what kind of lifestyle you want. If you want to live in your truck, drive up and down the road all over the country, good for you. That's great. I didn't want that. I got lucky enough to search the right opportunity for me. Uh, I'm home during the week. I'm off every single weekend. And the money is pretty freaking amazing. And uh I, I encourage it. Uh, be willing to take some scars from a guy who's got a bunch of them. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, Chris, any parting thoughts or shall we wrap it up for today? Uh, last thing I just want to say is thanks, Bubba. It, it's been cool hearing your hearing your story. Appreciate you being willing to share it with everybody and giving giving everybody else. You know, it, it's nice I think for people to hear it from someone other than Craig and I that we've been doing this for you know a couple of years now and to hear somebody else say, "Hey, yeah, you can do this." It's not just you know Chris and and Craig just aren't blowing smoke up people's butts. You know, I. I, I appreciate it. I, I want to hey, keep following. Chris, your- what you do in your own sleeper on your own time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just thank you. Can't thank you enough. Thanks, Bubba, for taking the time. Man, I can't thank you guys enough. Again, I say I want to encourage everybody. This is not a template to go out and do what uh, Holland Assets is telling you. It is a lot of individual pieces that you can take to your own situation and learn from what they've done. Uh, you can absolutely do what Chris is doing. He's doing a mighty fine job, but I've taken a smaller investment and I'm, I'm really, really happy. And I encourage everybody to live a happy life and get off your butt and go work. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's a nice wrap up. Sorry, Chris, were you going to say something else? I was just going to say that was, that's a great, great point. Um, you don't have, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like I like to say, and you don't have to do it exactly like I have. You see Bubba's done a, a little bit different, taking some pieces and, and you can certainly do that. And, and last thing I want to say is 
if you want some really good entertainment, go watch some of Bubba Blackwell's <laughs> videos of some. The, the problem is, the problem is, the first video that's going to come up is the most horrific one because that's your most famous video. So uh, that, that was uh, that was that was rough, Bubba. There's there's some good stuff out there. You're telling me, I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And again, we appreciate Bubba coming on. Um, just a, another reminder before we leave to go to hollandassetsllc.com. Go check out the show notes there. Go subscribe on YouTube. Find us on Facebook and uh, let us know what you think of the show. And uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody listening and we will see you next time. Thanks, Bubba. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. And uh, see you on the road. <laughs>